Welcome in, Fighting Irish Wires, Nick Shubkowski and Jeff Fair with you this evening to break down what happened Notre Dame player-wise in the 2020 NFL draft and the undrafted free agents that came along along so afterwards as well. Jeff, what's going on? You okay? You're recovering from the uh, Packers first-round pick there from Thursday night? I'm doing fine. I'm going to choose not to talk about it at this point. Um, no, it's I've had time to process it. I've come to terms with it, and the truth is, Truth as you know, is like none of this really matters for for a while, and none of it really matters in the whole scheme of determining who wins the next Super Bowl. So, I'm going to take solace in that the uh, the internal development on the current Packers roster is going to make uh, is going to make the improvements they need they need to. But how are you feeling about the Bears class? Well, I mean that's a good place to start with it because yeah. first Notre Dame player off the board. I know we. Saw- little bit during the regular season maybe towards the end of the regular season about what he was as a draft pick I know we had uh had Eric Edholm on from Yahoo Sports to discuss him early on in the season after his impact game against Georgia and Eric didn't I don't think he ultimately put a first round grade on him said he could see why people consider him in the first round Mel Kuyper had him as a first round pick as late as Thursday morning Mm. ends up going 43 to the Bears and it's a pick to me as a Bears observer. I hesitate to call myself a Bears fan at some sometimes because I get so ticked off at the way this front office has operated in that I think Komet can be a good player. And I think he is going to be very much a project as well. And a tight end's a position where you are a project almost assuredly in the NFL. It's rare they can just make a splash right away. The Hernandez-Gronk thing just doesn't happen like that. But I also think it's a case where he might be a project and he might be two years away from being, all right, yeah, he is one of the best tight ends in the league. You go, hey, I don't know if I'm going to go that far and say that's Komet's ceiling. But he might walk into this Bears roster next year, or this, this summer camp, and be the best tight end on the roster, at least the most complete one at this point. They have 10 guys right now signed. Jimmy Graham's making huge money. You've watched enough Jimmy Graham the last two years to know that that's not Jimmy Graham a Saints the thing with Komet, and we, we've talked about it before, is that I think we both felt that he would have benefited from another year due to the fact he really only played a season and a half as the, the true starting tight end at Notre Dame. And, in, you know, with all due respect to Cole, and, like, he's a, he's a tremendous talent. I think he's, he's definitely on the upswing right now, but he could have used another year of development. At the same time, now is the time to capitalize on this being a weak tight end class. And that's exactly what he did. And, you know, kudos to him. But now if the Bears stick him, they haven't shown the ability to develop other tight ends that they've drafted. Them. They, they took Shaheen in the first round three years ago and it did absolutely nothing. So you worry about, you know, is this Bears regime going to develop him the way that we think he needs to? Are they going to, is there going to be a demand because he's a local kid, he's their first draft pick to rush him along and all? Hopefully there's not. Um, but you're you're gonna see, you know, you alluded to Jimmy Jimmy Graham, is that Jimmy Graham at this stage in his career is not the solution, long term solution to play that. So in the struggle at the position early in the season, they're clamoring to come at, and maybe they rush him into a situation where he's not ready. I don't know, but the kid, the kid, in my estimation, is going to be a, a top notch football player. And I do wonder about Komet. I think that he is, he's not nearly as NFL ready right now where he's going to be. But he's a guy that I think that it, it, it should translate to a successful NFL career for him. It's just I do have a little hesitance of, of places to go. Not going to get the benefit of a quarterback that you trust throwing him the ball 
in an organization that has a recent history of just botching everything related to that position in terms of development, in terms of free agents they've signed. They've had no luck, no success there whatsoever. And you can come to more of a them problem than uh, whoever they bring in problem. Uh, going next for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at 49, a guy I know that you're a huge fan of, and I think any Notre Dame fan is a huge fan of, and understandably so. But Chase Claypool goes 49th overall, gets set up in a Pittsburgh offense that uh, that has changed quite a bit here in recent years, but still has some firepower. Yeah, I, I think the one the one good thing, and you could look at their depth chart right now, wide receiver, and think. It, you know, it's fairly loaded with Smith Schuster, and they spent a second on James Washington in 18, and then a third on Deontay Johnson in, in uh, last year's draft. But the Steelers, over the course of the last 10 years, have been maybe the best team in the league at developing wide receiver talent. I mean, you go back to yeah. the Super Bowl, and they had, you know, it was Mike Wallace, Heinz Ward, uh, Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, all in that game. Randall L., all in that game. And over the course of Ben's career, they've continually loaded up that position. Uh, and they're doing so doing the same way. Now, Smith Schuster is going to be the go-to guy. Washington is going to be, be the deep threat. That leaves Claypool in an interesting position to succeed because I think he's going he's gonna to have a lot of stuff coming out of that slot, whether they move him in line. The thing about the Steelers, they, I can't think of a receiver they've really had like Claypool since really Heinz Ward. I mean, Heinz Ward was that, that – Blocking wide, the oh, he was known for his blocking. He was known, yeah. The little thing that's that's kind of how I see Claypool in this situation. So I think there's because they play so many multi receiver sets, because they've really done a real a good job of developing wide receivers over the year. I think this is a perfect spot for Claypool to go. Yeah, I mean, it's their track record speaks for themselves, and I, they get they develop guys, they get guys paid, whether it be in Pittsburgh, whether it be elsewhere. But yeah, it's just been a organization that has spit out wide receiver talent I mean really if you look back the last 50 years in the NFL and really maybe in the 80s and uh, part of the early 90s we're struggling a little bit of that position but you look over the last 50 years and it's Hall of Famer Hall of Famer okay bunch of pro bowlers they they they, they do develop the talent as well as anyone there at that position I also think that in recent years probably the, the quarterback situation there doesn't hurt either. I am curious what's going to happen with that, with Roethlisberger. I mean, each year it seems like it's okay. Yep, Big Ben's threatening to retire. Big Ben's threatening to retire. Oh, he's going to come back and make a miraculous run one more time, one more stab at it. Wonder how long that's going to go on. But it is a – if you're picking a place as, a, as an NFL receiver to walk into, organization, I mean, you, you have one of the best defenses in the league almost went to the playoffs despite playing with Donald Duck or whatever his name is as their starting quarterback last year, majority of the season. And it's all right. Well, a little bit of firepower offensively, and it should be a team that, yeah, you have to like the setting that Claypool gets drafted in there. Yeah, I know there's a lot of talk, too, about him playing. You know, they just signed Eric Ebron, traded for Vance McDonald. They've got a lot of resources already tied up at that position. And so I don't think that's going to be a thing anymore. I think if anything else, he's going to be a wide receiver. He's going to be lined up. He's going to be played, I think, similar to the way Heinz Ward was. And hopefully he has the same kind of success, you know, in as far as career trajectory that some of those other guys have had coming through the Steelers organization. Yeah, and that's, that is one of my – I think the underrated parts of Claypool is, okay, you see the highlight catches. You see the huge, what, four-touchdown game against Navy. You see some of that. But 
you watch him in the run game a little bit. He's the mm-hmm. willingness to engage, willingness to take out a safety, willingness to just bury a cornerback, Tony Jones, whoever it may be, run behind him. It's been a thing with Notre Dame receivers here in recent years. Miles Boyd could very much the same way as well. The couple just knockout blocks that you can rem- remember from his Irish career. But, yeah, Claypool is going to go down as one of uh, one of the greats to do it, even though it took a long time – not a long time, but took a little while longer for him to mm-hmm. get going in a Notre Dame uniform. He leads playing about as well as a receiver we've seen in recent years, at least, for Notre Dame. Going in the third round then Friday night as well, Julian Apara uh, selected by the Detroit Lions. He gets reunited with his brother there. And that was a player that I I always hate speculating on injuries because it, it gets you in trouble. I mean, sometimes it's not as severe as it seems. Maybe it's – sometimes it's worse than it ever appears. And I thought that that was a player that had first-round potential. And does he not break his leg against Duke? And he has a healthy – not even just healthy last month of the year, but a healthy offseason leading into the draft. I'm curious where the leg injury played into the Lions select him as late as they or getting him as late as they did because I thought that was a talent that uh, that was better than a third round pick. No, I think with uh, I think with Aquara, that's a you know a great point about the injury. The thing that went through my head the entire season was just how important Jerry Tillery was to that defensive line, and Tillery being gone this season those opposing offenses were able to, to account for Kareem and, and Aquara even more. Going into last year, Tillery was the main focal point for a lot of teams. And Aquara and, uh, and Kareem coming on as they did in 2018, you know, they, they were able to be ready for him this coming this last season. So I don't think Aquara may, Aquara may not have had the production that reflected how good he actually was and know how much attention other teams paid to him. And the kind of you know the kind of power he has, his ability to play against the run, in addition to rush the rush the passer, uh, I, I do think injuries played a role, like you said. And uh, but I, you know who knows? Because Romeo, I mean, he wasn't as good a prospect as Romeo when Romeo came out. And Okora's, I think so. Okora has you know, and Romeo stuck stuck in, and I think he's got a plenty of good chance to succeed in Detroit. They are um, starving for pass rushers now, so I think it was a good landing spot for him. Uh, and, you know, I think it's an interesting opportunity to play with his brother. Yeah, I mean, that's a unique situation. Some cool videos there that you saw. Yeah. You're watching the draft or something on social media there as well. Just crazy enough for one son to get to the NFL. Let right. A couple of them, and then they end up playing in the same city as well. is insane. So pretty cool moment for that family. Um, today – in a fourth round, Carolina selects Troy Pride Jr. I thought he had a chance to sneak into the third round. A elite speed when you look at him. Never going to be big enough to be, I think, a dominating quarter at the NFL level. I mean, just undersized. Incredible speed guy, though. And then you look up some of his advanced numbers while at Notre Dame, too, and just not someone that got thrown at and picked on really ever. And kind of one of those of, all right, Julian Love got a ton of love two years ago. God, I didn't want to say love with love, but I won. Allow it. I don't know if we. I don't know if Notre Dame fans appreciated how, how good Pride was and just kind of how reliable he was. And I think it's got a career. I mean, based off of his speed, he's gonna be able to play special teams if need be. But also with him there, I mean, that's a guy that you can put into a. <laughs> 
a nickelback situation and i think he's going to be able to play in the nfl for for a good amount of time yeah i think with pride i mean clearly he was the he was the second best corner when julian love was there and when julian love went off the field you know he was he could be picked on and yeah i think i think the thing with pride was that a lot of what he did was maybe, I don't want to say it was covered up by the safeties or covered a defensive line, but he was kind of like, he wasn't good enough to be a star and he wasn't bad enough to be benched because they didn't have the depth, the depth of quarterback. He had all the traits, uh, killed the senior bowl, did awesome at the combine, but never really put it all together to the point where he elevated his game and said, I'm the dude. I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be the number one quarterback in the quarterback in Notre Dame. And he just wasn't that visible. If, if, that, if that makes any sense, because there was Aquora, it was Kareem, it was Gilman, it was Elliott. Um, you know, even this season, I mean, I thought Drew White made more flash plays than than right. than um, Pride did. He he just was kind of. And, and Tariq Gracie, I thought, at the quarterback position is more uh, probably shows more upside. I think the last couple of years, Troy Pride is who you see at the quarterback position. Can he get better in an NFL scheme? Maybe he can. I mean, the, the traits are there. The speed is there. Clearly, he was motivated at the Senior Bowl to make, it, to make an impact, and he did. So I don't know what that missing component is, but he's not going to have to be the number one quarterback with, with, with Dante Jackson there in Carolina. So it's an interesting spot for him. Like, I, I feel good about these guys that we're talking about. I feel like none of them got into a spot where they're necessarily blocked or they're going to be in a necessarily bad spot where they're not going to be able to flourish. But yeah, Troy, he's an interesting one because, you know, he just never was – he never was – even though he's the number one quarterback this season, it didn't seem like it. It seemed like Julian Love was every for every minute of every second he was on the field, but not with pride. Yeah, he was never a huge interception guy for somebody you see a middle-round pick NFL-wise. I do like what uh, – just the NFL's angle of this – if we're going to break down teams that you like their drafts of, I don't know how you can't like – I mean, you know, both of us were huge on them at Baylor. But Matt Rule taking over in Carolina and just loading up a defense in a division, really, where teams are built a lot around high-powered offenses or supposed to be high-powered offenses. It's him zigging when everyone else is zagging in his division or his conference, and like he was at Baylor anyway in the Big 12. And it, it just seems like that's going to be the uh, the way of the world for the Carolina Panthers. I and mean, I was a big Ron Rivera fan with them, but I, I, I can't root against our guy Matt Rule there. And I like what he's done here, at least the way he's kind of gone about this draft uh, early on. And then Clyde speaks to that as well. The Notre Dame players to go in the draft, uh, Khalid Kareem selected by Cincinnati. He goes in the, was it the fifth round? He goes to a Cincinnati team that's I mean, really – it's it, it's a team that's in need of just about everything. You can sit and complain about Andy Dalton all you want. Andy Dalton's not the only reason that's a team that was two and fourteen and picking first overall this year. When you're drafting that high, there's a reason for it. And um, I thought Cincinnati did a really good job in the draft overall. And I thought again, this is another chance for Kareem. You know, they have the Sam Hubbard had a really good year this year in his rookie season or second season. I'm sorry. Uh, Carl Lawson's still there. Carlos Dunlap, who's a you know longtime veteran, so I think there is a chance for him to step into some kind of rotation with with Dunlap being in his tenth year, and then going by Hubbard and Lawson, and you know 
making an impact. You can never have too many pass rushers, especially I mean, especially in that division now, where you're gonna have Mayfield, Roethlisberger, Lamar Jackson. I mean, you're gonna need as many pass rushers you can you can get. But with Kareem, it's all about uh, Kareem was about health health as well. We talked about Aquara. Is he gonna be healthy? Is he gonna put it all together? Because in 18, I thought his 18 tape looked a lot better than his 19 tape. Yeah, and I think it goes back to exactly what you said about Aquora as well. And Gary Tillery, it's, I know he didn't have a good rookie campaign with the Chargers. He was, didn't translate to success as rookie year in the NFL. He was a monster at Notre Dame, though. And that's where, if you're looking at the outlook of this team, where did they have to get better? I mean, I know you and I talk about this time and time again. You control the line of scrimmage. You control the middle of the field. You're probably going to control the football game. And that's where, at least against the teams that they lost to last year, whether it was Georgia, whether it was Michigan, that's where they came up short. And that's where they need to find someone to fill that role of what Jerry Tillery was. He was a second-team All-American his final year at Notre Dame, and he earned every every bit of that, and he earned being a first-round draft pick. And, I, and until you can compete on that level at those positions – it's going to be hard to imagine this team really being in that level of a Clemson being in a level of some of the uh, big time powerhouses in college football until they can get that out there on a regular basis at that position anyway. But he goes to Cincinnati and you work in a rotation, probably you would think at least for Kareem there. The other draft pick for the Fighting Irish today is that of one Aloe Gilman. The safety, the former transfer from the Naval Academy, played two years at Notre Dame. And I find myself, this is kind of a weird spot of being Notre Dame-wise here, in that whether it was the speech that kind of went viral in the USC game in 2018 and him taking on the leadership role and screaming at the locker room, demanding better play, and they go out and they play a much better second half and they win that game. But it's you think of some of the moments in 2018. Vanderbilt game where they – play like garbage offensively he has the forced fumble at the goal line on one of the more ridiculous plays you see that keeps Vanderbilt out of an end zone in a game that ends up being way closer than it probably should have the USC game he forces a fumble right before right after uh, Chris Fink scores a touchdown forces a fumble that kills a USC drive when they're about to go back up by 10 and it changes the whole complexion of that game and USC's offense didn't perform really a long drive until the very end of it again. And it's just one of those guys that I don't know how it's going to work out in San, or in San Diego, in LA with the Chargers. Tough secondary to crack on that. It's going to help that he's going to be able to play special teams, no doubt about that. But it's just one of those to me. All right, that was a guy that made a lot of key plays, yet I do find myself excited about what the safety options are going to be for Notre Dame in 2020 and what the potential of it might be at the same time. Yeah, I, you look at I mean, look at Chargers, the Chargers depth chart right now at safety. It's not, it's not promising for Gilman to make some kind of play. I think, I think the times that Notre Dame was very vulnerable was in deep coverage. And, you know, you saw him get beaten the, in the game against Clemson. You saw them, the other teams take advantage of that maybe a little bit. He got by mainly on – instincts as opposed to athleticism and there's at times in college football where your instincts can be more important than your athleticism but if if those two aren't jiving in the nfl those those debt those um shortcomings are going to be uh very glaring 
So Gilman's not big enough to drop down in the box. He's going to have to show marked improvement in his past defense. You know, like you, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's times when I think, okay, if Gilman wasn't part of this team in 2018, would they have reached the level of success that they did? Because in re- Jalen Elliott at that point, as his partner on the back end, had yet to have, had yet to reach his potential, and I think he did because Gilman was next to him. Because Gilman brought in some kind of steady presence on that defense, uh, along with Julian Love. But you know, your concerns are the same as mine with 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 Gilman. So you know, obviously, I wish him the best. I hope I could see him be a special team, an absolute special teams demon. But how many teams are going to dedicate a roster spot, roster spot to just to uh... just that role? Yeah, and it's, I mean, secondary-wise. I mean, maybe he's a practice squad guy that's the Chargers try to keep around just in order to, in, in case of emergency, I mean, but they have about as good safeties as you're going to find on the NFL roster, at least very, very good ones. Anyway, at that, uh, moving. Well, it's, yeah, oh, I was going to say, it's kind of ironic, too, that, that Tranquil's there. Because Tranquil was safety and then dropped down to linebacker. Yeah. Just, potential shortcomings, but he had a year to make that transition to the bulk up to do that. Whereas Gilman's coming right out and, you know, he's going to, he, he's got, he's got the athleticism to make that shift. It's just is it's some of the recognition and pass defense. And I hope, I really hope that that's another guy that they're patient with, but because I think that the positives in his column, whether it's the leadership, it's the toughness, it's the, it's the work ethic. Hopefully those are what pushes him to, to you know, pushes him onto the roster. Yeah, I mean, it was like uh, kind of watching Tranquil's career from afar, or at least a season from afar last year, if yeah. the story you've seen with him already. Okay, here's a middle-round draft pick, signed on to play special teams and not have much more of an expectation. And by the last month of the year, oh, there he is getting a starting role, playing a bit due to injury. And it's a team that didn't reach their lofty expectations at the start of the year but it's still a guy of, okay, I feel like I've seen this story with the same guy before of just, all right, whatever way you get on the field and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, those football instincts, they still translate even if even if the game is being played at a faster speed in the NFL. And, yeah, Tranquil's, uh, Tranquil's just a guy that's, I don't know, when, when you think football IQ and, like, what, what does football IQ mean? He's one of those guys that always just pops off the chart to me of, like, yeah, it's football instincts. I don't know how to describe it necessarily, but there's a guy that has them, and it tends to translate when you watch him on film. Yeah, and I think at that point in the draft, too, I think why not take a shot on a guy where you know the tangibles are, are really, really good? You know a guy who's made this kind of progression from being a Navy and then becoming yeah. and being able to, to make that big jump because of his work ethic, because of those intangibles. So why not take a shot if you're the Chargers to add a guy like that to your roster with you know, and to be quite honest with you, the LA Chargers roster is pretty good for a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. It's a and just drafted a quarterback because the Rivers' time was finally done. But it's a pretty good roster. So if you're you don't have many other glaring holes and you're not really going to fill them in the fifth, sixth round, why not take a flyer on a guy like Gilman? It makes all the sense to me. Uh, moving on a bit here, undrafted free agents that Notre Dame or former Notre Dame players that uh, end up getting NFL jobs. A few of them to look at here. The one maybe most interesting to me, I just kind of looking at the parts of it. Um, 
I don't want to say I was shocked when Tony Jones Jr. declared for the draft. I was maybe a little surprised. I think there's going to be some competition for playing time next year, but I'll never, I'll never fall to running back when they go and take a payday instead of playing college football for free just because of what we know about running backs and how quickly those things can end and careers can uh, be turned around. But I do like him going to New Orleans. I think that's a team that maybe it's not the speediest of backs, but I do like that fit a little bit there of him possibly being able to sneak onto a roster in New Orleans, a team that uh, team that has shown that in years past of having running backs that aren't necessary. I know that obviously that um, Kamara is his own thing, but being able to be a guy that you don't necessarily have to have the biggest of speed, and they've had some of those, whether it be Mark Ingram in the past, that they've been able to benefit from and maybe it's somewhere that he can sneak on to a 52nd 53rd spot on a roster and and cash a couple of NFL checks yeah I mean one of the teams that's had really good success with undrafted running backs you know you mentioned Kamara and Ingram but and you know Deuce McAllister before that first round pick Ingram first round pick Kamara in the early third yeah uh, they've supplemented that and Reggie Bush obviously the first so they've they supplemented those top picks and they've had really good success with guys like Chris Ivory, undrafted free agent, Pierre Thomas, undrafted free agent. So they value the undrafted free agent running back market as a supplement to their set up top. And I think Tony Jones is a compliment to what Kamara does. It's mm-hmm. really interesting because it is, it's the exact opposite. They've got Latavius Murray, who's 30 plus. So that's a pretty thin running back room right now for Tony Jones to make an impact. Hopefully, it doesn't take him as long to make an impact in New Orleans as it does, as it did in uh, in South Bend. Yeah, and it was a guy that went, capped off at about 800 yards or so his final season at Notre Dame. Right. And some, some of the more memorable plays, I suppose, but ultimately not one of those guys that you look back and we're like, oh, my God, his numbers were just outrageous or anything quite like that. Uh, another one I'm interested in, in terms of uh, the free agent signings of guys that might have a shot to make an NFL roster here, I thought the Jones one was intriguing. Uh, just kind of sticking with the theme from a minute ago, Dante Vaughn signs with the Chargers. I, we talked already about how tough it is to crack that secondary, but just speaks more to the Notre Dame Southwest that the Chargers are becoming with Tillery, with Tranquil, with the selection of Gilman, with Isaac Rochelle already out there. Uh, worth just kind of pointing out that that Vaughn gets signed there. And as well, Jameer Jones is headed to the Houston Texans as the former Notre Dame linebacker heads there. And Chris Fink going to the San Francisco 49ers in a deal that includes a $95,000 guarantee, which I thought was a little little surprising to know how much that uh, Fink is going to be guaranteed by the 49ers. I know it's by NFL terms, it's not a ton of money, but for a guy that kind of has the speed trait and is a guy that you, you like the story of, all right, if he's the walk on from Dayton and he ends up getting a scholarship and eventually turns into a captain, gets to join a 49ers team. That's going to be a pretty tough roster to crack. Hmm. But obviously the 49ers made him priority by making a guarantee like that. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I was trying to when you you mentioned to me that Fink signed with San Francisco, it was um, you know they just traded Marquise Good Goodwin to Philadelphia, but that's that's a perimeter guy. I'm looking more in the, in the slot. They've right. got 
guys of that nature, you know, just Debo Samuel. So most of his success last year was in the slot. Brandon Ayuk, who they just took in the first round. That's a guy who, you know, the big question with him was his, you know, he's got deep speed. You get the ball in his hands on a screen. He's able, he's shifted with the ball in his hands, but it was contested catchability going over the middle. Some of, some of that stuff when he's, when he's covered, that's going to be a struggle. So a guy like Fink, who's going to come in, you know exactly what he is. He's not going to win on the perimeter. What he does is in the middle of the field, making the tough catch. Um, and, and hopefully that's something that, again, resonates. It's kind of like that offensive mentality that, that Gilman has on defense. It's that, that work ethic, that scrappiness, that, that rising, to, you know, rising to the top when you, you weren't counted on. Um, but that's a, tough, that's a tough wide receiver room. And they've kind of churned through some guys there. You know, there was there Richie James Hive and Trent Taylor, some guys they picked in the last couple of years that maybe thought of more. I mean, Dante Pettis is another guy that they took who hasn't really done anything. I was high on Dante Pettis. A lot of Dante Pettis stock just on fire right now. But um, obviously I'm rooting for Fink. Wish he didn't go to a team that just destroyed my team in the NFC Championship game. But, um, yeah, is, the other guys too, I mean, Jalen Elliott, that's a, that's a pretty I, – I'm a huge Jalen Elliott fan. But that's, that's going to be a tough roster to crack in, in Detroit. It's improving secondary all of a sudden in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. As more Bilal goes to the Chargers. Years ago, you're like, he's playing alone, and all of a sudden it's a secondary that, oh, uh, yeah, okay, this isn't brutal. Yeah. Yeah, I think – I don't know what Patricia's – Patricia's trying to um, – he might not have his job for much longer, but um, bring, you know, bring a different kind of defense out there. But then Bilal goes to the Chargers too who, I mean, mm-hmm. the roster now is Notre Dame guys, as you mentioned. Um, and Jameer Jones, who knows? I mean, I feel like that was Jameer Jones' entire career at Notre Dame was who knows. Yeah, I I was a lot more excited about Jameer Jones, kind of as the idea of Jameer Jones, instead of what yeah. you ultimately saw from Jameer yeah. Jones. I mean, I don't want to use it as a knock on him. I mean, the guy, one of the biggest days of his life, he finds an NFL contract. Congratulations to him. Right. It, it, it is – I think it. Most people follow it would walk away a little disappointed in what the uh, eventual output was there. But maybe I mean maybe it goes back to a little bit of what we're saying as well, of just uh, just the importance of the defensive line and interior defensive line at that, and how valuable that is at really all positions. Maybe that's if we're throwing out the the excuse tree out there for for a Jameer Jones. Maybe we can throw that one up there as well just looking over this list here want to make sure we mention all of the Notre Dame players assigned you mentioned Bilal goes to the Chargers as well and on uh, Notre Dame Southwest as they're just loading up on talent there as did Dante Vaughn but of of these guys which one of them would you look at and say okay might not have been drafted might not have gotten that name called by the commissioner name called in the NFL draft which one of them has the best chance to make a roster, at least initial reaction after seeing things uh, shake down on Saturday afternoon and evening? As much as I hate to pick against Chris Fink, I think Tony Jones to the points that you mentioned um, and, and their success with, with running backs in the past and the, with the way that their roster is right now, I think the worst case scenario, he's on the practice squad and um, you know, he, he's a dude just like, I mean, this is Jameer Jones is never really, he had moments, but never put it all together. That last – Tony Jones was extremely valuable this last year. And he looked like a different guy at points than he did in 2018. 
so I'm not going to bang it. I'm a big Tony Jones fan and, you know, hope he sticks in New Orleans. That's the one, that's the one of the, of that group that I think has a chance because, you know, Bilal, Bilal is another guy. He had flashes like the first game against the season uh, of the season against Michigan in 18, but he would fade in and out the entire year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, I'm mean, those guys, Jalen Elliott's Jalen Elliott's a guy that's developed, but Dante Vaughn never made a really big, not a huge impact either. Just a steady performer, but nothing outstanding. So out of those guys, Tony Jones is the one that I would pick. Yeah, I think we're on the same page on that part. Um, yeah, I guess that'll probably pretty much about do it. Any other draft takeaways, whether they're Notre Dame related or not? That's. I mean, there's be a lot, there's be a lot less to talk about. Here. There's going to be a lot less to talk about about Notre Dame draft next year as we're looking forward to next year's draft. I mean, I was thinking about that as we were talking, looking at the just who's out there right now. And, I mean, Owusu-Kor Moa. Ian Book, um, you know, may, I, Eichenberg's going to be on a lot of these because you'll see a lot of these lists come out now about top 30 for next season or top 25 for next season. Eichenberg's going to be on there. Kramer's going to be on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Book's probably not going to be on there. But, and then I think the guy that's going to shoot up boards this year, Owusu Koromo, I mean, both of us know how yeah. this season. He's going to be, I think, an absolute monster this this coming season. But, and there's a lot of guys that churn out of the program this year, and I think this could be a relatively young team in 2020. Yeah, it's you, you get position back at quarterback, and I think you go into 2020 and you're excited because of because of where the program's at. Ten wins, three straight years. It hasn't done that since the early 90s, and I know it's a different, it's an entirely different time. That's when they were knocking off Florida State. That's when they were knocking off Miami's that were top five programs year in and year out and they're winning 10, 11 games year after year after year. And it's a little bit different right now. I mean, what's the big win in this this three-year run? Is it a bowl win over LSU? Is it the 2018 win over Michigan in the uh, opener in that game? It's They've had some nice wins along the way, but it isn't like back in those days when it was top five, top ten teams that you were just watching Lou Holtz and Notre Dame take out seemingly – Twice a year, they're good for those wins. But it is one of those. I think there's a lot of excitement going into this season. And, I mean, that might be maybe the next episode of this that we do is you mentioned Eichenberg, you mentioned uh, Kramer there, of just breaking down this offensive line. Because I love it in pass protection. I'd be lying if I said I loved it by any means in the run game. And, ultimately, I think that's going to be what uh, what's going to decide a lot of these contests whether it's the Wisconsin game, the Clemson game, whether it's a realistic chance at a college football playoff appearance or not for Notre Dame in 2020, what might turn into 2021 as well. But, uh, yeah, appreciate you taking the time tonight, and we'll have some fun with, uh, with this thing going forward. All right, Nick, sounds good.